of say in the tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 8, Episode 5, which is titled Start All Over Again. The episode aired on October 25th, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Oh god, here's a throwback. Apple releases the very first iPod, a portable media device specializing in music playback, supported by the then nine-month-old iTunes computer program. The first generation sported a five gigabyte hard drive advertised to hold up to 1,000 songs. Which was a huge deal back then. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, The line of devices would go on to sell over 450 million units across several revisions, including the Nano, Shuffle, and Touch variations, and were officially discontinued in May 2022. I miss my iPod video so much yeah i do i do too on occasion that was yes just i i miss having a separate music device we were we were having this conversation in the discord recently like Mm -hmm. all of the things that like we just took as like yeah of course i have this like thing that i just carry with me all this like how much stuff has been consolidated into your phone Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i was thinking back to like you know junior sophomore junior year of high school where i was carrying on a daily basis a razor phone uh, an iPod Touch, yep. a PSP, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all of these things that were just like on my person at all times. You know, yep. and it was just like all I... of that stuff has now been consolidated into yeah. one package. And now I can run a PSP emulator on my phone. I used to like by the time I was maybe senior year in high school, I had the iPod Touch as well. And the thing I hated about it, like yeah, cool, we could play games on it, whatever. But the thing I hated about it is the storage was so much more limited. Yep. Compared mm. to the like click wheel iPods so yeah. I would always steal my friend's iPod like at lunch through fifth period that we had together and give it back to him and he must have hated me but like I would always steal it because he had a good click wheel one and it had pretty good music on it so yeah. the uh, first time I ever saw season four of the reboot of the re- reboot of Doctor Who from the early, from the mid-aughts uh, was on and I was while uh, I was on vacation going to, <laughs> in Florida on my iPod video. That that tracks. Mine, uh, the very first music video I think I had on mine was Know Your Enemy by Green Day. And that music video is still in my library. And every time it comes up on my shuffle, I'm like, what the fuck? Why do I have a music video? I haven't I had, had iTunes installed on a computer of mine in probably a decade at this oh, point. I mean, because I have an iPhone. I know, so but I'm just still... saying like, sit, but I'm just saying for me, it's... So I have no I, idea what's even in there. That's anymore. why I still have my old MacBook is because I'm still trying to find a way to excavate all that music because so much of it was CD rips. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how, like, you need to help me with that one day or maybe Jack, but I got to get a bunch of that CD ripped music off of iTunes and onto, <laughs> like, a storage drive. This has been music technology <laughs> of 2001 with dirty, filthy, tired millennials. Moving on. If we're ready to. Well, the shuffle was pointless. The shuffle was absolutely pointless. Moving on. The 2001 World Series is set as the New York Yankees and Arizona Diamondbacks win their respective league championship series. That is, uh, just very briefly on that, uh, I I promise I won't get off on a huge tangent about this, but I just want to highlight what a 
on paper what a like ridiculous mismatch this is and <laughs> and how it will not go the way we think it's going to go <laughs> like it's of- when you think of the Diamondbacks, you don't exactly associate them with being the Yankees in the World Series level. Yeah, like this, baseball. like to to set the scene slightly, you know, this is 2001. The Arizona Diamondbacks didn't exist before 1998, so like they are in their third year of existence at this point. Whereas the Yankees are like you know the baseball team, like they've been around forever and have won more championships than anybody. And also, too, you have to think about this is, you know, in the weeks and months following 9-11, and they have all of the, like, emotional momentum of the country mm-hmm. behind them. The Yankees are usually the the evil empire. They are usually <laughs> the team that everybody roots against. Mm-hmm. And this was the one time that, like, the country at large is behind the Yankees and wants the Yankees to win more than anything because it'll be one of these, you know, air quotes, healing things that'll, like fix it and uh it's also just kind of a little bit of a metaphor of how things are going to go over the next five to ten years because it's like the big bad uh powerful yankees uh getting their uh proverbial ass kicked by the upstarts in the desert uh is kind of a little bit of a metaphor for how the next five to ten years are gonna go that's a bit on the nose yeah, but uh, I'll be very interested, uh, hopefully, in the next week or two to dig into the because I love the 2001 World Series. It is, in for my money, it is the best World Series other than maybe the 2016 World Series uh, uh, with the uh, Cubs and Cleveland. That was an amazing series to watch, but this one is like a close second, if not a 1A. Like every game almost has something memorable and something special about it. And the last game is a masterpiece. Sometimes I will just throw on game seven of this series when I'm folding laundry and like just want background noise because it is one of the best games I've ever seen. Now I'm going to want to go rewatch game seven of the 2016 world series. Clear your fucking game. schedule. I was up until like three thirty four in the morning, East coast time for that sh- shit. And it was like a dead zombie even, at work the next day. Even I watched that game. Which says something. Yeah, that game is... That game, actually... I I remember telling Jake at work about that the next day. Like, that was like... That was the greatest baseball game that has ever been played or or maybe will ever be played. That game was incredible. I'd rewatch that with you. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Uh, Microsoft releases the new Windows XP, oh god I'm old, operating system (laughs) to the general public. Widely regarded as one of the best iterations of Windows, the new version contained a major redesign to the user interface, yup, much improved hardware support, numerous stability improvements, and a new suite of multimedia features. The system was so popular in the corporate world that due to popular demand, Microsoft released security updates for the professional version of XP until April 2019. I have a core memory of playing the first Harry Potter game on our (laughs) Windows XP in the living room. Oh, I was... My my brother, who was in the computers at the time, was so excited to get a new PC with Windows XP on it because it was so much better than we were still on Windows 98, I think, at that point. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't know that in my home, I don't know that we ever had a, a Windows XP machine. I think we might have gone we had I remember we had Windows 98 and then I think mm-hmm. we got Windows ME, uh, which came out, I think, the year before the Millennium Edition uh, yeah. that came out like a the year before this or maybe two years. Of Windows. Yeah. And then I think we might have just rode that out until we upgraded stuff like when I was in high school and it was by then it was Windows Vista, which was mm-hmm. you know, somehow you just, worked. Wow. We, just, we just skipped over the entire you know, peak of the uh, the medium. 
Oh, golly. Uh, From Hell, a slasher film starring Johnny Depp, Heather Graham, and Ian Holm, R.I.P., debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. And I'm Real, murder remix by Jennifer Lopez, I can't read today, featuring Ja Rule, regains the number one spot on the music charts for its fourth overall week. Half hour later, Daniel, what else was on? (laughs) At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with Rachel's Date. At 8.30, Inside Schwartz with the episode Event Night. At 9, Will and Grace with the episode Loose Lips Sync Relationships. And at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Bye Bye Binny. Uh, this week's episode had 27.3 million viewers tuning in, directed by our very own Vondi Curtis Hall, uh, Roger Two, doing his one out of two episodes that he would direct. He has also directed uh, episodes of Boston Legal, Firefly, and the notorious bomb, right around this time actually, uh, the notorious bomb that is Mariah Carey's Glitter. Wait, he directed that? He, he directed that movie. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I like him. I like him even less now. Just, yeah. Ooh, how could you? Uh, and written by Joe Sachs, doing his thirteenth out of thirty-five. Uh, previous ones of his from last season included Flight of Fancy, Surrender, Thy Will Be Done, Survival of the Fittest, and Rampage. And of course, we are beginning the prolonged No Chen tour starting this week. That's true. Our previously on is brought to us by Corday. And we start with Carrie on the phone, leaving her pager number and information with someone. Hmm. Hmm. And Susan emerges in the lounge, forgetting how slammed the L is at rush hour. Something you never fucking forget. She needs a locker and she gets Chen's. But of course, she doesn't have the combination. So we see her just rattling the locker door, trying to get in. And let's go to our first audio clip here. Susan's beginning her first day back in the wonderful world of County General's ER. Hey! Watch out! Coming through! I heard it, but I didn't believe it! Oh, I missed you! (laughs) They actually talked you into coming back and working here. Bad idea. I didn't say that. Frank, (laughs) could you call housekeeping? Someone took a dump in exam two. Hey, Frank, our mad crapper's back, huh? If I catch him, he'll be pooping in a bag. (laughs) What happened to the board? Weaver. Weaver. Hey, Spank is in curtain three complaining of incontinence. I am not touching him. I'll take him. I don't think you want that on your first day back here. Leg entry curtain one. Welcome back, Dr. L. Thanks, Malik. So what's the story with Spanky? He likes nurses a lot. Oh. Uh, Dr. Lewis, are you Susan Lewis? Yes. Cleo Finch, I'm the senior on nights this week. Nice to meet you. I have a few pass-ons. Okay. Curtain three, worst headache of his life. Do a spinal tap if the head CT is negative. Okay, no problem. Well, well, well. Dr. Susan Lewis. Dr. Benton. Just when I thought it was safe to come to the ER. I missed you too, Peter. I know. (laughs) So, can I buy you breakfast? I just got here, but you can get me lunch. Oh, sorry. I have to sign out and get to Schaumburg. Another interview? Nope, the job's on mine. Meeting the medical director today. Oh, congratulations. Nosebleed and suture's got Mirasol. Check on him in 20 minutes and wear a mask. He's a spitter. Right. Are you going somewhere? I've been offered the chance to run a pediatric urgent care. Five doctors, eight-hour shifts, no overnights. Yeah, but it's... What? In Schaumburg. It's 40 minutes away. Uh, IV drug user with the shooter's abscess whisk off to Echo before I could drain him. Anything else? Yeah, they just brought in a homeless lady with maggots, and I'd see her before they start crawling away. Thanks. Geography. Here we go. Here we go. I gotta, I gotta do this geography because... Can, can I 
point this out, how you reacted yes. first. Yes, okay. Okay, so we're sitting here watching this scene. Fine. All of a sudden, Lizzie, like, as we get to the next scene, she just cackles. And I look at her, I'm like, what the fuck? And she says this. So, I actually looked this up. Look, Cleo, (laughs) if you're thinking you're going to get from presumably one of the nicer neighborhoods in Chicago based on her house and just the general stuff that they've presented about her so far, I don't think she lives on, like, the far south side or anything like that. From anywhere in the downtown core, during rush hour, which is presumably your, it's presumably a nine to five job, eight hour shifts, mm-hmm. what I'm assuming. Um, you're looking at anywhere between 50 minutes to 90 minutes. The uh, 50 minutes is on a good day, or if <laughs> you're like on like the far northwest side, because the traffic between downtown the like the true downtown like just outside the loop all the way out to like o'hare which is the way you would take to get to schaumburg that same highway that that is the stuff of nightmares during rush hour in the mornings on weekdays just like i looked this morning like i looked this morning and like it's new year's eve it's a saturday morning okay sure i'll take 30 minutes on on a day like today but yeah, I looked at I looked at leave at I was even generous and said seven a.m. and it said from from I said uh, right next to the highway at, in Wicker Park just to be a little just to be a little generous. Yeah, yeah, and and that said seventy five minutes. And this is and a a northern suburb, right? This is a north ish, mostly western suburb. Okay. Because like I'm, tr- I'm, the only thing I have to like compare it to is when we came through Chicago in 2016. We stayed at the Navy base, which they've mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. which is north of of the city, and then had to backtrack into Chicago for a White Sox game, and that was not at rush hour. That was like you know on like a Saturday at like six o'clock, something like that, and it still took like 90 minutes to two hours. Yep. What should have been like a, a 35, 40 minute drive. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, that that math don't math, Cleo. But, but anyway, I, but, yay, Susan. But, but I do also um, I do also sympathize with the um, like new job bargaining that Cleo is doing, where you talk yourself into all of the, especially mm-hmm. if you're unhappy in your current job, you will talk yourself into all these things that will be massive problems into being not that big of a deal because it represents like light at the end of the tunnel that you can get out of this shitty job that you're currently in. Oh, I do not have any doubt that she would rather sit in traffic for an hour on the Kennedy versus dealing with the patients like you see at the County for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Can we also talk about how cute it is when Benton greets Susan? Cause it's like, Oh yeah, these guys did work together and stuff and they haven't seen each other for years. Yeah. So they're going to have a lot to catch up on. So that was sweet. And then I love, can, can we get breakfast? And Susan going, I just got you. Like, no, Susan, no. So much has changed. So sweet. I just, I just love that moment. Cause I was like, Oh yeah. That could actually be the title of this episode too. Is so much has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Or, well. Oh yeah. We go from there to some morning chaos in the uh, newly packed greenhouse. Uh, Lizzie is running late to an 8 a.m. surgery. Uh, new roomie Rachel wants to go to a party at her classmate's house. 
and uh, a wild fuckboy appears as a uh, young Andrew wants to uh, show up. It shows up to give her a ride to school, and that you can just tell that this is like giving Mark <laughs> all sorts of anxiety. And uh, Lizzie, with the the line of the episode, I guess she's making friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that takes us into the intro. In with bangs. We come out of the intro to Susan working with a gentleman who uh, does not want to take his clothes off, uh, but she needs him to remove them to get his stomach looked at so she can do a comprehensive exam. And I want to apologize. I did not get enough names during these notes, but half the names were dropped maybe once. Oh, so this, this is this is this, this is a name-free yeah. episode for the most yeah. part, and I apologize. Uh, this guy's name is Tobias Funke. He's never new. <laughs> <laughs> or this, the yeah. um, this guy I don't the, think ever gets a name. Or the um. Psychic vampire from what we do in the shadows, the movie. Anyway, go on. We've we've discussed my thoughts on vampires. It's so watch less Buffy. It's fine. okay. It's so not that kind of vampire. But anyway, uh, but uh, we see Mark and Susan bonding over her shitty patients, and she asks, "What do you use for maggots these days?" And uh, <laughs> Mark, with a great comeback, good thought, but Carrie's allergic to it. Uh, which I well, I'm like. It's an objectively great line, but I do sort of question, like, it's not like Susan stopped being a doctor. She just stopped being a doctor at this hospital. So I'm pretty sure she would know what the medication or the treatment was for maggots. Well, as we will see later in this episode, she's used to a different set of patients and a different set of, like, just general different clientele. So she probably wants to know, like, what do they use at county these days that's that's what true she's used to nurse jen always likes to point out that uh you know people would every time people find out that she was in the military or that she particularly that she was medical in the military they they always assume that she was like a combat medic in vietnam and like that she must have sewed on you know blown off limbs and things like that and she was like she's always like no she was like i worked in the er on a base hospital in a non-combat zone she was like i treated sniffles and tennis elbows she was like i treated officers wives who were bored like she was and like you know little 18 year old airmen who needed std tests she was like there's no she's like there is no action in an er like that but people every time people hear you know uh military medical person they always assume the absolute worst I mean, she's still a badass. Yes. 100%. Not for the reasons you might expect, but yes. But still yes. Uh, so we go over to Carter giving uh, some new medical students a tour. <laughs> wonder how fast these will disappear. Oh, boy. We, we will get into both of those in just a moment. But is it just this episode? Uh, one, just this episode. The other one, gone by the end of next episode. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> But I looked a couple episodes ahead, and I did not realize we were getting a certain medical student so soon. Uh, yeah. Which one? Galant. Oh, yes, that's right. Spoilers. We talked about this the, already. Yeah. The, Who the, cares? Nobody. Shout out to the Discord, the Bodie McBoatface of ER. What? Okay, so. I, explain. I, 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 I'm gonna, Show this your is, work. This is, the Discord knows what I'm talking about. It's it's just you two who don't scroll. But <laughs> uh, If it's in the general ER chat, I, I don't read that. I only read off topic, so go on. And also, I'm not there unless I'm summoned. So. I'll, make, I'll make sure to tag you the next time. No, Thank it's I, I will get into more detail on this when he shows up, but, you know, I, I have issues with the name Gallant. We'll put it that way. Okay. Ah, yep, got it. All right. <laughs> But it leads to a but it leads to a fun pun name later in the season. We like I said, name. we will get into it when he shows up. But I just I, I the, the naming convention irks I, me. I get it now. Thank you. 
Anyway, uh, so, but Carter offers to give Susan a tour. It's Carter's first days as chief resident, now that we are Sans one Jingmei Chen. Um, at least for the time being. Susan calls for Abby as nurse, which Abby's like, the fuck? Ooh, nurse, not, nurse, not, nurse. Only, not only does she call for her as nurse, but she also does the fucking pet peeve of mine, the snapping her fingers at her. Don't fucking, do, it doesn't matter who it is, but especially not, like, you know, service work. Don't do that to waitresses or don't do that to, mm-hmm. don't do that to anybody. But it just, eh, that irritated me. That's why it was so nice. The restaurant we were at last night had a call button for the waitresses. Yes, it was so good. Also, I felt really bad. I pointed really aggressively across someone's table to point out some sushi that looked really good. And I was like, that was really fucking rude of me. <laughs> it was all, it was all really good last it night. It was but... so good. We'll talk about that on the lounge. Go anyway, on. <laughs> uh, but Carter introduces them. So we have a, so we have, I don't. I was just gonna say a face to the name, but I realized that Carter, or that, or rather that Susan would have never heard of Abby's name. Yeah. To begin with, probably. Um, but Susan asks to set, set a room up for Suture, and Abby's like, "No, everything's already in the room." Like Su- Susan doesn't know that nurses don't do all this extra setup shit anymore. Again, different work environments. Yeah, 100%. but it is kind of like cool, they, they, and they address this later in the episode with yep. a, a line from Carrie, but like it is kind of a cool little continuity nod that like mm-hmm. when the last time Susan was around, there were a lot more nurses and the nurses did a lot more stuff. Like the nurses mm-hmm. were a bigger part of the like... Because they could do more stuff. Ecosystem. And so it's just an interesting little because I, I spoilers for the end of the episode. I do sort of feel like this episode is a little bit of a throwback. Like at this episode, mm-hmm. fe- uh, in and I said the the same thing last episode. It felt like they were doing older bits because Susan was around again. And I feel like this episode is more of that, but done to greater effect. I felt like last episode it was done very clumsily and and never really landed the way they wanted it to. This episode, I feel like they got it much closer to the mark of like. This felt like an old ER episode. This felt like a season one through three ER episode. And I was like, really, I really enjoyed that. Then a gentleman named Howard Norton is brought in. He has no response to Norcan. He had a sudden loss of consciousness and nobody is quite clear on what happened. And I just want to say before we get into the brother that is with him, I want to know whose films are those? Daniel, go ahead. Who's the brother? The air quotes brother that we uh, didn't want to spoil it i know uh as far as we know howard's brother uh who never really gets a i think he does get maybe a mention of a name eventually at least he had a name credited in imdb but it i never heard it um but he is played by actor michael weissman uh, who appeared in stuff like uh vegas nypd blue and the maki mock 2001 planet of the apes these fucking apes are on our fucking planet beautiful um and then we go over to the first med student of the episode, Mooney, who was working with Abby on a chest pain patient. And Abby is working on, like, getting his vitals and everything and tells Mooney, like, oh, go ahead, give him nitro. And Mooney goes, okay, three sprays, right? And Abby goes, yep. And he gives the sprays all at once. Oops, you, we learn later in the episode this is supposed to be one spray every five minutes. So three sprays in 15 minutes. Not all at once. So the guy gets super dizzy. The pain in his chest gets worse. Abby immediately goes into damage control mode to try and make sure this guy doesn't fucking die. Not great. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh boy, and uh, Mooney here. He is our uh, less important of the two med students. He is played mm-hmm. by actor Danny Arroyo, who uh, seems to be more of a uh, Spanish language star. Mm-hmm. Um, he has appeared in a lot of Mexican uh, TV and uh, movies, um, but he uh, has appeared in stuff like Black Blood, Day Labor, and Nobody's Angel, and this is his only appearance uh, as Mooney. He is gone by the end of this episode. Hey. Uh, and Susan applauds Carter on the diagnosis. Which one was this? What diagnosis? Uh, the, um, the, I think it was the psychogenic coma or oh, whatever. Oh, they the things on a... When they're talking about the differential for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you, I get you. Um, so Susan applauds Carter on a, di- uh, on a diagnosis, and Abby tells Carter that Mooney's chest pain patient uh, got all three nitrous rays at once, and it's like, it's, Carter's like, what the hell, how is he? She's like, oh, he just died. Just kidding. <laughs> and Susan and Carter already with the flirting vibes. Ugh. Lauren and I are here for it. Daniel will will not go down with the ship. I have, I just have, like, we, we will, when we get into a later scene, I will, I will get into it more. But, like, it's just, eh, eh. Which is kind of the, the summation of Susan 2.0, like, the, the entirety of her time uh, on the return is just, eh. But see, you you were setting up these expectations, and I think that she has a perfectly good run as her second time. But the, we'll get into that yeah. as we go on. Sure. I sorry. I just I just am here for Carter and Susan, and I know I'm one of two people, maybe four <laughs> tops. Um, but then we see Mark running out with in bit dip Mark running out to the ambulance bay with a gurney, and a woman's dad got hit by a car. The dad's name is Alan. This will be an interesting through line this episode. Really cool camera angles in this one mm-hmm. with yes. Timmy in the car. And I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. Yep. And then we go over to Susan explaining Howard's labs to his brother and just kind of what his condition is. And while they're doing, cons- this is all happening while they're doing construction in the ceiling of the trauma room, which no, um, right. sterile issue. No, no just no. Um, it's County. Sh- they're fixing those gross ceiling tiles, <laughs> but then we. This is where she mentions, "Oh, it's a psychogenic coma." Um, blah blah blah. You know, you might just. You know, we want to get him with psych because he is responding to stimuli, and as she's talking to him, Susan's stomach guy comes back to whine some more, and she goes, "Well, you're still dressed, so of course you haven't had an exam yet." This whole thing with the uh, maintenance guy in the ceiling. This is yep. quite. This is quite literally a rehash of a, a thing yep. they did with Susan in season one. With the, uh, it wasn't in the trauma room then. It was out in the the main part of the ER. But mm-hmm. like, yep. yeah, they had the guy, the air conditioning repair guy, who mm-hmm. fell out of the ceiling and landed on her patient and yep. reset his heart rhythm. Yep. Uh, but then we see Carrie asking. Alan's daughter if the car pinned Alan against anything and it turns out that she ran into her dad she had meant to go in reverse and she went forward instead Ruh-roh. pinned him against a wall and uh, we go to Corday working with her uh, her patients who's from Birmingham in the UK asking Corday all sorts of questions about home and she Corday seems absolutely delighted uh, they're examining the abdomen, and the woman likely has a perfora- perforated colon from diverticulitis. Hey, my grandma had that. Mm. So did Brock Lesnar. Almost killed him. Oi. Hey. 
and our patient and the patient's daughter here. This is one of the more interesting coincidences. We, or, or, I don't know if coincidence is the right word, but one of the more interesting little oddities casting-wise that we've ever seen on the show. Uh, the first start start with the patient, Mrs. Wilson. She is played by actress Virginia Capers, who appears in, uh, appeared in stuff like Howard the Duck, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, and The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Remember that. Uh, she has a total of 107 credits to her name. She's making her first of two appearances. Both of these uh, ladies are first of two appearances. Uh, and she did pass away in 2004. Uh, her daughter in this scene uh, is played by actress Vernie Watson. She appeared in stuff like The Kid, uh, General Hospital, and also The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And she has 181 credits to her name and is making her first of two appearances. Now, Mrs. Wilson here, the older of the two ladies in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, she played uh, Uncle Phil's mother. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess you would, you know, for lack of a better word, you would say Will's uh, grandmother in that mm-hmm. show. I know it's not an exact thing, but, you know, go with me here. Uh, yeah. She she played um, Uncle Phil's mother and her daughter in this scene, Vernie Watson, she played Will's mother in mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Fresh Prince. So it's this very interesting little like casting oddity here where you've got uh, Will Smith's mother and Will Smith's uncle's mother on the show all all working together in the same scene here. It's very weird how that worked out. Yes. Uh, and I uh, should also point out, too, that Vernie Watson, with her 181 credits, that does make her the high-watermark uh, actor for this episode. She just barely beats out somebody we will see a little bit later on. Um, but for now, uh, we go to Susan uh, running up to ask Corday about her stomach patient. And Corday replies, well, what's his exam like? And she's like, haven't done one yet. And she's like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> and it's just... I've, I hate that we have to, like, keep prolonging this weird tension between these two because, like, somebody pointed out, I feel like it was either in last week's listener response or maybe it's in one of the ones for today's episode, that um, there's a – I feel like these two could have been friends. Like, I feel like there's mm-hmm. there's a, a good – there's a p- good potential friendship here that we're just wasting. Yep. But Susan's going to steal Corday's man. Yeah, yeah, like, just the weird territoriality is just – I'm not here for it. This is not who Corday is. Yeah. So, and then she asks Abby to help with stomach pain guy, and she just hands Susan the gown, which again, why, at least these two, they do salvage a good relationship Mm -hmm. uh, out of later on, but like, we're off to a bumpy start with these two. Uh, but we then hear screaming coming from Howard's trauma room, only to find his air quotes brother beating him up with a metal rod. And uh, turns out it was uh, his loan shark, not his brother. Uh, so or, I believe it was a representative of the loan shark. He says, if Point. you owe Mr. So-and-so. Lone, yeah, loan yes. shark associate. Pre- what is it? Presumed additional loan shark? <laughs> Presumed, Presumed loan shark associate. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so, yeah. And since he's conscious now, this is the first chance we've gotten to see uh, Mr. Norton, who is played by actor Lance Barber, uh, who appeared in stuff like Gangster Squad, Leatherheads, and a recurring role on the TV series Young Sheldon. Really? Yeah, wouldn't pay, wouldn't watch it if you paid me. I only, I've only seen like maybe five minutes total of that show ever, and only because it comes on usually right after AEW Rampage. Mm. So before I can be like, no, turn off, turn off. <laughs> Uh, Alan's daughter is talking to Carrie. Uh, they had gone to lunch because, she, yay, she got into law school. Um, but he may have a crushed pelvis because he was pinned against a wall. And she went forward instead of 
reverse from her parking spot. This is why I don't drive. Yes, this is why you don't drive. This is shit like this. This is why I don't drive. I mean, um, you don't drink, so this wouldn't happen. But we don't know if she'd been drinking yet, so. Oh, this excuse is why me, I, I spoiled drive. the rest of no, the No, I'm just saying, line. even just looking at stuff like this, weird freak accidents like this, I don't drive. Um, but Abby asks Carter if Susan has always been so high maintenance. And Carter's like, I don't think she's high maintenance. So that's that's going to set up some some tension for those two. Um, then we go over to Carter offering Susan a pick of any chart to make her day a little better. And it turns out that she picks uh, female abdominal pain to which she's like, this was a setup. What was the other one? And he goes, suture removal. And she goes, oh, come on. I want that one. And then he goes on a scrotum. And she goes, "Never mind, I'll take female abdominal pain. Just very good comedic beat. (laughs) Um, Lizzie comes down to check on the stomach pain guy, but has to run back upstairs before she can actually do an exam. And we go over to Susan's female abdominal pain patient. She stresses that she needs to be home in two hours, no matter what. Not great. This bodes well. And we see Alan headed up to surgery. And Malik said, I'm going to run him up. And then I'll come down and get, you know, his daughter to take her up to surgery to wait. Yeah. Of note, the female abdominal patient is very young. Yes. Presumed high school age, I think. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Uh, cop asks for a blood alcohol level on the on Alan's daughter because they they need to check if since she was driving and they had been out to lunch. Yeah, so Carrie agrees to get the blood draw in a few hours once Dad is out of surgery. And who plays our cop? Yeah, which you know, I, I like I like the subtle bit of uh, gamesmanship by Carrie there too of like we can just run out the clock on this blood because like whatever her blood yeah. alcohol level is now, if they wait a few hours, it's going to be very different. So uh, is it though? I mean, I, I, unless she's like blackout drunk, which I don't think she is. Like, if you're if you're point oh, let's say you're point oh nine right now. If they wait a few hours, you're at the very least gonna have dipped below the legal limit of point oh eight. Like, you're gonna be at you know, even if you're at point oh seven, you're still in the clear. So it's like I, I feel like that has to be a little bit of gamesmanship on Carrie's part of just like uh, you know, we'll wait a couple hours and then we'll do the draw. But in any event, uh, our cop here is played by actor Troy Winbrush, who appears in stuff like National Treasure, Book of Secrets, uh, John Q, uh, and The Replacements. Uh, yeah, Something for everyone in that filmography. <laughs> right, some, something for everybody. That's where I recognized him. The delightfully, or maybe not delightfully, the, the horrifyingly uh, re- still relevant uh, John Q. <sighs> oh, I meant I meant the I meant the replacements. Yeah, but no, anyway. the, the replacements is uh, unquestionably the uh, the standout fun thing in that list. There, um, shout out to our friend Cody who uh, watches that movie religiously with his cute little boy uh, Grover. Shout out yes. to Grover. Um, <laughs> Scissor me, daddy. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Jake just ripped his headphones off. <laughs> we're we're cutting that because that that is no, too, we're not. That's too <laughs> much of an explanation. Uh, Watch AEW, folks. We go from there. Susan's patient uh, is saying that she has to have an abortion. Uh, Susan's trying to offer other options. And she's like, nope, I have to be a virgin on my wedding day. If my parents find out that I've had sex, I am no longer their daughter. They will send me away out of the country. Great. Love that for us. Uh, She has an ectopic pregnancy. So this is kind of a little bit of an emergency. Uh, She's going to need surgery right now. So, 
Ugh, this is going to become a bit of a through line. But for now, uh, we get pulled away from that as Yosh comes in uh, calling for a doctor right away for a patient who is uh, status Mm-mm. epilepticus. This is the uh, Lauren Dick Kick portion of the episode. Mm-mm. Dick Kick City for old Lauren. Uh, contractually obligated. Oh, uh, I immediately looked away from this whole sequence. I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. It wasn't. It wasn't, bad. but just, yeah, but I just, was stressed it's, about it. Right when it's when it's the fiftieth one, seemingly in the last year, like even if it's not that bad, it's still that bad. Uh, he's not responding to Adavan. Uh, this is the first real chance we've had to see Luca and uh, Susan interact uh, to the point where Luca thinks that she's a resident. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and she, she doesn't he doesn't know well yeah he doesn't know and so this is where i come in where i i get to be fucking debbie downer and i'm like yeah i don't want to see carter and susan bone down but i am sort of questioning why we never even for a second explored the possibility of luca and susan like, I'd be here for that too. I just I ship Susan with anybody. We know. Like this. it's not like Luca's fucking busy for the next year and a half. Like the dude's gonna be just floating out in space for the next year I, and a half. Like I, maybe let's have a couple episodes where these two think about it. I think the big reason they go Susan and Carter is because they had that cute little flirtation earlier on in the series. Yeah, so I I, like, I still oh, am maybe. I still am like Jake where it just it gives me kind of like teacher student icky vibes mm-hmm. where it's just like nope. she that the ages don't match up it would have been weird if it would have been while carter was still a medical student yeah but now it's fine yeah, yeah they're both it's consent- it's another on consenting yeah but it's still for me adults. for me it's another one of those examples of like if the genders were reversed this would not be acceptable like if a if a if let's say lucy had come back after you know years away and was in carter's position and Carter was is the attend. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a that's a bad example. But like, I think if the I think if it was a a male attending with a female chief resident who had previously worked together when one was a med student and one was a resident, it would be ickier. I still don't have a problem with it. But Daniel, what what tell us more about this patient? Uh, yeah, he's not responding to the Ativan, and he's been seizing for at least twenty minutes. A she. She. She, sorry. Uh, yes. And this this is my worst nightmare. Like, this and SUDEP are my two, like, biggest fears about my epilepsy. Like, why, I'd, why I'm always hesitant to change meds and stuff is because the more often you have seizures, the more likely shit like this could be if mm. you have epilepsy. So shit like this, this is why you call the ER or you call for an ambulance if a seizure lasts over a certain period of time because they got to get that shit to stop. Yeah. That's why they're so horrified that this has been going on for so long is because seizures cause brain damage. Not great. Nope. And well, not brain damage, but trauma to the brain. Right. Well, then we go to uh, Lizzie just checking in on a random patient uh, in the post-op uh, area. Uh, it's her third post-op death this week, and Romano calls it a hat trick. <laughs> uh, so, so it's come to this. So we've started this storyline. Ah, uh, yes. For some reason, I thought I could have sworn this was next season. Yeah, it does feel like it's a little... But, I mean, we're, we're, our timelines always get fucked up, and it always seems like stuff happens earlier than it should. But also, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this a, the storyline that, like, kind of gets dropped? Like, they... they uh, uh, Don't they insinuate that it was Mr. Carrie Weaver, but it never really gets, like, fully resolved? Because I know there's a I know there's is a storyline with Corday that just kind of f- 
just sputters out. Like, doesn't really get a, I a, don't a firm resolution. I remember her getting caught in Mr. Carrier Weaver's office and there being a whole thing with that. And I don't remember exactly how it resolves, though. All right. So we'll, we'll just have to let it play out. But, like, I, I definitely know there is a storyline with Corday that just kind of peters out and doesn't get a, a firm resolution. It's a big bone of contention for people. Hey, that's season eight in a nutshell. Big bone of contention for people. <laughs> uh, so anyway, back to the season patient. Uh, Susan helps speak to the husband in Spanish, and she was on the anti-TB medicine. Mm-hmm. And because of a language differential, uh, instead of once, O-N-C-E, the husband read it as once, 11. So instead of taking a pill one a day, she has been taking 11 pills a day. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's horrifying. And I love that they acknowledge this, that it's like, hey, this is a problem. Yeah. Like, this is why being aware of language barriers is so important. And this is probably, like, the kind of reason why med bottles say, like, 1x a day or 2x a day and then also have it written in English. Just, like... To be safe. Right. I also like the little bit of light continuity. Uh, not not continuity, but character development. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't think it was ever, at least not to my not to my recollection. I don't I don't remember it ever being confirmed that Susan was fluent in Spanish during her first mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. But presumably, living and working in Arizona for mm-hmm. three years or four years or however long it was, like she clearly would have had to pick that up because of the large yep. Hispanic population in that part of the country. And so, like, she comes back, and now she has this whole other tool to use at her disposal. And it's not, like, a thing that we make a big deal out of or go back to on a regular basis, but it's just a thing that she can do. And it's kind of a a cool little character wrinkle, I think. 100%. But then a Russian woman is begging Carter for water, but she has gallstones and can't have water yet, but maybe they can do IV hydration. She goes, no, I'm thirsty. I want water. Um... The chest pain patient from earlier is now in VTAC, and Stanley, the student, gets to shock him. And I want to note here, this is another... Carter just gets some great physical comedy this this episode, and we haven't had that in a while. Because as Stanley goes to shock the patient, he does do clear, and people are off him. But when he, when he shocks him, the hand jerks and whacks Carter clear in the balls. And it is the <laughs> best. I don't care. I'm... I don't care. Nut shots are still hysterical. Oh, I was laughing schmackety. my ass off. One hundred percent. Like, and that's what I was saying earlier. Like, this feels like the like perfect representation of like an old school ER episode. Like, we get the physical comedy stuff from Carter. Even the even the previous patient, the Russian woman. Like, that's totally a season one through three type of thing. There would just be a random patient in the ER who is Russian, and we're not gonna. It's not going to be a big deal. We're not going to, you know, go into why there's a Russian woman with gallstones in the ER. There's just a random woman with gallstones and she happens to be Russian. That's totally a, a season one through three bit. And there's just so much of this that I just, I love so much. Uh, our other med student here, Stanley, he is the uh, slightly more memorable of the two <laughs> med students here before they uh, dissolve into the shadow realm and be absorbed into... Uh, gallant later in the season uh he is uh, played by actor eddie shin who appears in stuff like alexa and katie westworld and the man in the high castle and he is making his first of 
just two appearances. So I'm pretty sure he's gone by the end of next episode as well. I mean, that's more than a lot of med students get on the show. That is true. That is true. Um, And then we see, we go back to my favorite patient. This woman has now been seizing for almost an hour. Uh, Okay, time for me to just turn this fucking episode off. Holy shit. Um, And they need additional, I believe they said, pyridoxine from nearby hospitals because they have used all of their um, supply on this woman already to try and get her to stop seizing. Nightmare. Uh, Romano's talking with Benson about Alan's surgery and makes an offhand comment to Lizzie about to scrub under her fingernails to avoid another post-op infection. Ha 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 I do like Lizzie's... the wrong person. I, I do like Lizzie's gesture at Romano after he says... Because she doesn't... She doesn't flip him off, but... And she also... It's... But it's sort of like the friends thing of like... She kind of like... She kind of like sticks her hands up at him, almost like in the like Italian... Angry Italian gesture. She's... She's showing him her fingernails, but it's just this very like quick little uh, beat as the... He's leaving the room. And Roger's on the phone, but they need to put him on hold because there's an urgent need with the patient that Romano and Benson are about to be working on. <sighs> and uh, we go back down to the seizure patient. She is uh, still down, no cardiac activity for the last 35 minutes. So Susan calls it, calls time of death. Uh, but uh, on the way out of the room, Luca does compliment the pickup on the uh, medicine label, says that he would not have caught that. And she's like, yeah, well, fat lot of good it did. Uh, we then see Abby asking Carter if he's feeling any better, thinks he tweaked his back. Uh, gallstone woman is puking her lunch slash dinner up. Uh, and Carter's student offers to look at his back since he studied alternative medicine in Hong Kong. Sure. Glad we're getting into all this character development for a character who will be gone by the end of next episode. Uh, Roger is looking for Reese thought maybe he might be in daycare at the hospital, but, uh, he is nowhere to be found. This will become a thing. Uh, and Abby is working with stomach pain guy. Uh, he drank the Russian woman's water and she gives him, uh, he wants to leave. He's discharging himself AMA, but she hands him a giant emesis basin and is like, here, you're going to need this later. Uh, uh, the pregnant girl left without being treated. Uh, cause no one, Abby didn't know she had an ectopic, so she didn't know. It's not her fault. Uh, but Gamma is here because she fainted and is looking for Carter. And Susan, not knowing it's Gamma, is is a uh, mm. a little brusque. I no, I think she's like she's doing what they would do for any patient, being like, yeah. "You're not going to get preferred treatment. Chairs are over there." Like, yeah. yeah, she's doing what they would do: point them to chairs. Yeah, and once and once it's uh, discovered that Gamma is in fact Carter's grandmother. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know you. I'm sorry. I didn't. I had no way of knowing. She's like, I guess you're only rude to strangers. Which is an excellent clap back there by Gamma. Like, yeah. regardless of if it's justified or not. Excellent clap. Yep. So then we go back to Lizzie talking to Mrs. Wilson, her colon perf patient, and says surgery went well. Um, suddenly, Carmen Torino from Infection Control comes by to talk to Lizzie. They need to do a formal and get formal investigation by her department. And Lizzie needs to be cultured. And we don't mean that she needs to go look at more art. We mean that she's got to be swabbed. Uh, Surgical privileges could be suspended if she doesn't cooperate. And Romano and Anspa are supporting this investigation. Hmm. Three strikes, you're out, I guess. I mean, that's fair. Uh, Right. Within two weeks. Yeah, I I think it's probably warranted in this uh, instance. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just... 
But yes, you're right. We are talking about baseball earlier. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the uh, infection control person, Carmen, here, she is played by actress Sally Safiati. And she appears, uh, she's mostly a voice actor, it seems. Um, Mm. She appears in stuff like Watchmen, uh, does some voices for the Resident Evil series of games, and also Monster High, among many, many other things. She is just edged out ever so slightly by... um, uh, Vernie Watson was that her last name uh, from so, yeah. from earlier in the episode with who had 181 credits. Uh, Sally here has 176 credits, so just barely edged her out. Uh, and she's making her first of two appearances as well. It seems like a lot of these folks will be coming back next week, uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, then we go to Susan talking to Mark about the girl with the ectopic pregnancy. And Mark says, oh, just uh, just say it's for ovarian cysts. And essentially Mark is saying ovarian... Mark is saying false... <laughs> I can't win today. Mark is saying falsify this consent form. Totally fine. Nothing illegal about changing consent records to have it not be the actual procedure. Nothing wrong here. I mean, he didn't put it on the official record that he killed a man, so... Ooh. Oh, uh, Carrie pops over to talk to Susan and console her about the lost patient and talks to her. Th- oh, there's a there's a nursing shortage. Got to be patient. You got to do pitch in a little more than you're probably used to in Arizona. So, yeah, uh, the girl who hit her dad with the car, her blood alcohol level was 0.092. And I know it's different in some places, but like Illinois, like most states, the limit is 0.08. So, yeah, so I think that's pretty standard for most places. Yeah, I know in some places it's like 0.07 or something like that. I think I feel I like. think I think Arizona, actually, I think Arizona is has one of the stricter um, blood alcohol or, or like DUI laws. They have like some of the stricter ones. Yeah. So technically she she done a felony. Just a light felony. Just, just as a treat. And Mark has to go home to Ella because Corday is stuck with the investigator. Neat. Oh, darn. Oh, darn. That Mark Green Rats. has to be this troublesome fatherhood. He has to go do his what he signed up for by having a kid. Uh, speaking of having a kid, uh, Roger still can't find Reese. Uh, Benton has to leave surgery to go help find him. And uh, Romano is like, take your hand off this man's liver and he'll die. So Romano has a pretty valid reasoning for wanting... Uh, Benton to stick around for the surgery. Most of the time, Romano's just being a straight-up dick, but in this case, it is actually life or death. So, uh, We then go down and check on Gamma. Her EKG is fine. Uh, says that she skipped lunch, and that must be why she felt uh, faint. And uh, Carter asks if she's been sleeping or if she's, been de- if she's depressed. I really dislike... It is very evocative of the time, mm-hmm. but I do I do dislike the uh, way that uh, Gamma responds to that question. Uh, she- I know several older people who have I have strongly suggested try therapy that react the very same way yeah like I said it's it's not at all uh, an inauthentic portrayal of how somebody might respond in that especially somebody of Gamma's age but it is no less kind of annoying that that is still the prevailing sentiment at this time like she's like I don't want to uh, she's like I'm sad I'm not mentally damaged or i forget the exact way she says it but it's like only crazy people go to therapy is essentially the gist of what she's getting at (sighs) but uh carter wants to keep her in the hospital to monitor her heart overnight and uh, then we do get a very uh you know poignant line from her discussing her her grief journey after uh gampa carter's death 
there are no more tomorrows, John. It is a very sweet. I think I pulled it as the clip for uh, this episode. This little, little uh, back and forth between the two of them. It's very, very poignant. Uh, but then we see Susan calling the pregnant girl's house, pretending to be a classmate, uh, so that she can try to remind her patient, "Hey, maybe come back. Don't just, uh, don't just duck out and not come back. This is kind of a matter of life or death." And then she gets pulled away because she forgot to tell the husband of the woman who OD'd what happened and just left him sitting in a hallway around the corner. Adjust, you love to see it. Adjusting to that county ER life again. Oh, and then we see Lizzie getting swabbed for her bacteria cultures. The nose swab takes on new meaning given COVID testing. Like, that's that's the deep swabs that they had to do early on before we got our rapid tests. Yeah. I think this is still the ones that they do for PCR. Yeah. Just yeah. way up in there, the ones that feel like your brain getting cultured, which is what Lizzie says. But then we learn she also has to get a pelvic swab, a cath uh, culture, stool sample, and a milk sample as well. All the fun. Poor Lizzie. All the fun things that come out of one's body. And then Benton runs out to talk to Roger, and they call the cops to send a detective because they there's no way they have time to go down to the station. They need somebody here now. Benton is yelling He's at them. Doing angry daddy. And then Carrie yells at Susan about letting her ectopic pregnancy patient go. It's like, why is this chart still here? She's gone. Why is she gone? What the fuck? And Susan's like, I got it. It's under control. It's okay. Like, it's being addressed. Trust me, Carrie. It'll be fine. We're back to this with these two. Holy shit. <clears throat> and then a GSW is brought in. Neat. Fun times. Uh, Benton and Roger are arguing about Reese, and Jackie brings him in because... <sighs> He bit a girl at school and has been fighting. And bit- I'm gonna I'm gonna petition right now. Another new Reese variant. We've had Ducky Reese. We've had uh, minor head wound Reese. I would like to submit uh, Fight Club Reese. <laughs> like let's let's get him some little finger fingerless gloves. Maybe a little uh, some some Jimmy John's yeah. trunks. Give him some hand wraps. Shave a shave a little mo- a fake mohawk into his head. Like I let, just hear me out. Fight Club Reese. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, but teacher thinks he may need more stability. And okay, Ugh. people, Jackie, Jackie, this woman, Jackie. who was it two episodes ago that's saying, "Oh, she can't take care of Reese because reminds her too much of Jesse." Mm-hmm. Steps, Jackie. This woman steps in and is immediately like, "Well, he just needs to live with us for a while. He just." He he's not he's not your child. Like he's not. He, he needs to be in one home. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, you're still picking him up from school?" What? Yeah. And it's like, "Jackie, you would know this. You clearly picked him up from school. Like your yeah. Benton would have talked to you about this." We need to think about what's best for Reese. So it's it's entirely Jackie's fault. This right here, if Jackie hadn't said he needs to be in one home, and if she hadn't said we need to think about what's best for Reese, this whole custody fight may not have happened. Yeah. That's my opinion. Because Benton yeah. was just like, just for now, because Benton like, was like a little like, for now, let's maybe keep him in one. Yeah. One, maybe he just needs Let to him uh, stay in one place for uh, for a while. But Didn't say forever. But yeah. Whereas Jackie's like, no, forever. Hmm. Ay, 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 ay. 
it begins. Lizzie and I both did that at the same time during the episode. We were like, Jackie! God damn it, Jackie. And then Carter sees Gamma leaving AMA, and he tries his hardest to keep her from leaving. Gamma cannot be stopped. That's, I mean, that's the gist of it. I know, it's just the way it's like, just imagine, she's the, just imagine she's Gamma the G1000. Like walking out of the ER, like everyone tries to have her, no, Gamma, no. She, she, she's the G1000, she cannot be stopped. Exactly. Uh, so let's go to our second audio clip of the episode, finally. Uh, Susan's sitting out in the ambulance bay when she and Carter have a chat. Sorry if I offended her. Oh, don't worry about it. She never takes me seriously. What do you expect? She changed her diapers. That's true. Any focal neuro findings? EKG changes? No, I monitored her for three hours. Yeah, she should be okay. We was looking for you. Did you call your ectopic girl? I'm gonna give her till nine. It's a bit of a risk. Danger's my middle name. Any other catastrophes? It's been like an acid flashback, without the good parts. Hmm. I don't know what I was thinking when I said I'd come back. You weren't. But at least you're working with friends. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Pickman's got a woman in active labor. Showtime. Again, I just love the friendship between Susan and Carter. Even if they're not talking about flirting, even if it's just their bond, like they immediately are just comfortable with each other again. And I mm-hmm. love that she's like, well, Gamma changed her diapers. Of course she's going to have a little bit of a hard time listening to you as an authority figure. Like, it's a fair point. Also, it's like an acid flashback without the fun parts. Just, <laughs> I can imagine it's a bit of an adjustment for her. A little bit. Slight. Do we want to go into this great labor, guys? <laughs> yeah, it's all you, man. All right. This is great. I love no, this. No, I did too. Maybe one that was, my, this is my favorite scene in the episode. Yeah, this was not me yeah. being facetious at all. I'm really excited to talk about this. So this woman with active labor is brought in. Um, Susan and Carter are in the, del- in the, tr- not trauma room, in curtains with her in one of the, like, the exam rooms. Yes, thank you, exam rooms. That's the word I was looking for. They're in the exam room with her getting ready to deliver the baby. And her her water is, like, breaking, and she leaks all over the pedal electronics. And I'm sorry, I don't have a better word for that. But um, the bed starts rising uncontrollably because it has shorted out. Because it's electronics. It's so funny. And then, uh, <laughs> who is it that yells, get Luca, he's tall? I think it's Abby. I think it might be Abby, yeah, because Abby's in there with them, too. And Susan, thinking quick, instead of getting Luca, runs and grabs the ladder from the maintenance guy. This was Chekhov's ladder from earlier. And another great physical comedy beat that I missed at first because I was taking notes. Uh, she slams into Carter as she comes in, and <laughs> Carter's so face... Good just goes right in between this woman's legs. Like, it's so fucking good. And I was so glad that Lizzie was like, oh my God, she just ran into Carter. Because I wouldn't have even asked her I, to rewind it if I, I didn't know. I busted out laughing. I couldn't help it. I was like, what did I miss? So the perils of doing notes is sometimes I miss the best parts. So it's Lizzie... One of, it's one of those things where, like, the way he takes the his hit... you have to wonder, You have to wonder if it, yeah. wasn't un, if it was unexpected or not. His, his face on it is so good, too. Like, I would love a slow motion, just gif of that or video of it. Just what the fuck. Um, but yeah, so Daniel, she... Daniel, make it happen. No. Daniel has too much work to do this week. But, so she slams into Carter as she comes in, and she has... I believe Carter goes up on the ladder. Or no, she's up... Why can't I remember this? This was such a good scene. They both, uh, I think they both they're, go up on the They're both kind of on one, one side. One on either yeah. side, yeah. But um, 
they do this great thing where Susan says, oh, it's fine. Carter used to be in the circus. And then blah, blah, blah. Were you a clown? Whatever. And Carter goes, human cannonball. Till I got fired. <laughs> that and that got a legitimate like, ha ha, out of me. It, like, it that took was... me a minute. And then I was like, ha. <laughs> that, is, that is like next level great. The like, delivery. I... Is yeah, so it's good. so deadpan. It's so everybody. Just pitch perfect. If you only have like two minutes, just go watch this scene. You don't have to worry about anything yeah. else in this episode. The visual sequence yeah. for this is so good. Um, I love the part where they're passing supplies back to each other, and like Abby's throwing stuff to Carter, and then she goes to throw the scissors, and she, uh, Carter like shakes his head no and points to Susan, and Susan just takes them. <laughs> like guys, this is. This is so good. This makes yeah, th- this whole episode. This is like the perfect encapsulation of what I mean when I say that this episode or this. Yeah, the, this scene is the perfect uh, example of what I mean when I say this episode feels like an old ER episode. Mm-hmm. It feels like a, a season one through three hijinks kind of episode. In a good way. And in, a, in the best way. Like I, I this oh, this scene especially, but really the episode as a whole. But this this scene especially felt like visiting an old friend. Yes. Like absolutely. It, it, it felt it felt like getting a chance to like dip our toe back in the water of, of what the old days felt like, but without like, without dwelling on it too much. It was, like it, it, it was just perfect. It was reminiscent of stealing the cardiac equipment of like the pranks yeah. they'd pull on Carter with the uh, cast and stuff like that. Like it was just very reminiscent. Like you said of that lighthearted, just, just joy that they would do mm-hmm. with some of these sequences, but it's a boy. And we get a great little musical cue from Martin here. Just nice little light touch. And she's like, can I see him? After we attach a parachute to him. Yep. <laughs> that baby, too, is like the, immediately like, whoa. <laughs> the look on that baby's so face cute. is hilarious. That baby. that baby is like, where the fuck am I? How did I get here? <laughs> and for a complete uh, 180. Right. Speaking of uh, season one through three, are you ready for a like stark tonal shift? Oh, yeah. Uh we go back. We go from that lovely little bit of hijinks over to just a girl sobbing about having killed her dad. Oh, uh, when, huh. when Carrie has to break the news to her that he died, uh, runs to go see him when the cops grab her to arrest her, and Carrie insists that they let her say goodbye. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, we then go over. Mark uh, got Ella's diaper culture, triple bagged it in the fridge. Blech. I mean, there's no better spot for it, unfortunately. Yeah. No. Uh, Rachel's still not home, though, so let's listen to that part of the conversation. I got Ella's diaper culture. Oh, you didn't need to do that, Mark. Hey, not with the food. I triple bagged them. Did I hear a phone ring? Nope. She still hasn't called? Not yet. The party was over at eight. I know. So call her. I don't have her phone number. Look it up. I didn't get Claire's last name. Mark, if your daughter's at a party, you need to know these things. You know, I talked to the parents. I thought everything was okay. We don't even know where she is. I told you about the party. Do you know what time it is? It's only 10.15. You were supposed to call me two hours ago? I'm sorry. How'd you get home? Andrew? I think I'll check on the little one. All they had were hot dogs and burgers, so some of us went out to eat. Uh Uh-huh. Some of us or you and Andrew? Dad. I need to know these things. This sounds like something Mom would say. I wasn't drinking. I'm not doing drugs. I'm just making some new friends, okay? All you had to do was call. I tried. The payphone was broken. If you don't believe me, call the restaurant. 
Don't ever let this happen again. Okay? Okay. You know, if I had a cell phone, we could keep in touch. Yeah, right. Seriously, just for emergencies. We'll see. Thanks. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't doing drugs. Cut to the Tyler, the creator, Vine. <laughs> so that was a fucking lie. Um, <laughs> so, like, how, what grade is she supposed to be in here? Like, ninth? Eighth or ninth? Uh, yeah, yeah ninth, I would say ten. that seems... Eighth, eighth, ninth, because I think I think canonically at this point she's fourteen. Okay, yeah. So eighth. So or that ninth, that would yeah. be about eighth or ninth. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, like, then that makes sense that a quote party would be ending at eight and you'd stay out late till ten. That's not egregious. It's not great, but yeah, I always assume she was in high school. Yeah. At this point, I cert- I certainly you know, I, I mean I was not maybe the typical uh, child, but I certainly was not ever out that late at that age like that that was that was more of a college thing yeah i being out that late i was like if i was out late i was staying like i was at a friend's house my mom knew where i was right yeah pre-arranged or i was like at the movies with a a friend or like yeah or you know my mom knew i was over there and i'd call and say hey can i stay a couple extra hours i was a dweeb i didn't have a curfew because my mom knew i wasn't like cool enough to be doing anything (laughs) wrong same so like I, she knew Michael's closed at nine. Yeah, exactly, uh, <laughs> jerk. But um, yeah, like I was my my group of guy my group of friends was primarily dudes. We were all into video games and Magic the Gathering. She she was fine. She 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 wasn't worried <laughs> at all. And I was really close to my like friends' parents. So because I'm forty, so I I never had to have this experience. This was this was not. Did listeners did any, were any of you cool? Did any of you guys have these arguments with your parents? <laughs> right. Because were, this, were any of you doing ecstasy no, at fourteen? No, not that far. But just <laughs> I never had to have the curfew argument, so this just makes me laugh so hard. I got brought home by the cops at seventeen. Does that count? What I've, I've told you this before. I know, and I forget every time because it's you. What? Yeah, I what? was out. We were. It was like three in the morning. On a weekend, and we were just randomly As you do. throwing shit at uh, unfinished houses in an unfinished subdivision, and peed on someone's car. All right. And- <laughs> so I am having yeah. a memory. There was one time. There was a couple times where I almost could have gotten brought home by the cops if we had been caught, because um, there was an old closed golf course, like just like shooting range not even like full course right by my friend's house and so we would like walk over there so we wouldn't get have to worry about parking the cars and get caught that way and they would like break in and we we just vandalize the place basically yeah. um and yeah we there was a couple times where we had to hide in some ditches to avoid the cops yeah my yeah. mom roughly knows about this but yeah, yeah. it was <laughs> it was not great but yeah i had my license confiscated for a week because i broke curfew <laughs> By the police, like they were, it was. They said it wasn't valid, so my parents just took it away for a week. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. I still play. I still. I just played a bunch of. I just played a bunch of Warcraft on and Guild Wars on PC. That a girl. The entire week. You got. You got suburban white kid punished. Exactly, suburban white boy. 
punished. Especially, yeah. I, I said suburban white kid, and I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Uh, but we, we start to close out the episode with uh, our pregnant, uh, the ectopic pregnant girl, uh, Amal, showing back up. Coming out of the elevator, right? which I know we've harped, harped on this before in the past, but like the ER's on the first floor. Okay. Why are people coming out of the elevator? So, Daniel, did this bug you as much as it bugged me? Because that's why I put it It in always bugs me. It always bugs me. Like, why are, why are we, like... She was here several hours ago. She didn't forget where the ER is. Uh, her chart is now missing uh, because Weaver has it. Uh, so Susan goes to retrieve it. Uh, she's told that Weaver is on a call in the lounge. Uh, and she just bursts into the room and hangs up on the call that Carrie is uh, making, thinking that she's calling this girl's parents when she's actually not. Uh, Carrie is actually calling a woman who she thinks might be her mom. And uh, based on the end of the conversation we hear from Carrie – doesn't sound like it goes well uh, because she closes with I won't bother you again and uh, again yeah. season season one through three ended on kind of like ending on a bummer like yeah. that, that was uh, sort of emblematic of uh, those the only thing we're missing is the weird slow-mo filter uh, over Carol's uh, bullshit exactly. but like otherwise otherwise it's pretty uh, this is very formulaic of a season one through three episode in a good way yeah in a very good way I think it's a solid eight out of ten like Nothing especially, like, there's a few, like, really awesome scenes in here, but, like, there's nothing, like, especially, like, oh, my God, you need to watch this episode. Except for the delivery. Except for the delivery. The yeah, delivery. delivery is by far yeah. the best scene in there. And if you, and if you don't have, if you don't have the, like, personal icks that, like, I could see Lauren having over the, uh, the, uh, epileptic patient, um, if, if you don't have those, I could see this being a comfort watch. Like, I could see this being an episode that you throw on that is low maintenance, low stakes, doesn't have a lot of, like, traumatic stuff in it that you could just watch and enjoy. Uh, terminology correction, not epileptic. Epilepsy is a seizure. I just have to do this. I'm sorry. It's a seizure disorder based off recurring seizures with no underlying medical cause. This was caused via a drug overdose. Sorry. I just... Nope. Fair enough. But if you don't... I'm saying yes. if you don't have those, like those personal connections Just, uh, or the, the the personal trauma wrapped up in it where it's that particular type of patient is going to bother yeah. you if you don't have that then oh, I could see this being somebody's comfort yeah. watch of just like, oh, I just want to watch an episode, but I don't want to think too yep. hard about it. 100%. Yeah, it's a very this good episode. Good it's not a great episode. And Daniel, I'm sorry to well actually you. I hate doing that, but that's one that I just feel listeners. No, it's, you know it's, it's important. Our listenership is growing. It's important for us to recognize Oh, I just, I just more meant terminology. Yes. As, as the, the voice for the whole epilepsy community. No, that's not true. At least on our podcast. Yes, but as someone who has stake in that. Um, but yeah, I would give it a solid seven, 7.5. Like, like I always like to say, it moves the board along. We, we get some good lols. There's some emotional beats, but like not, not my favorite. Daniel there's, said a great, good comfort watch. There's no egregious storylines. It's some. It's an episode I would put on in yeah. the background while I was playing my Switch. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think if you do the Susan uh, return, uh, if you build the Susan return a little bit better last episode and dump all the rest of the stuff from and then you mash these two episodes together, I feel like you could have an all-time great episode if you fix the problems with Susan's return from last episode and then do all the fun stuff with this episode and just kind of mush all that stuff together. I think there's a, a nine and a half type of episode in there, but each one has its little detractors. Yeah. 
And before we get into listener responses, I actually want to address something in the very first one. Because Grace B says, I trust Lizzie to cover All Cops Are Bastards, and but there's a lot else I wanted to say. I will say, well, yes, All Cops Are Bastards. That's That should be common knowledge at this point. Um, but I don't see this one as a particularly, like, egregious, mm-hmm. like woman committed a woman likely committed a felony so i don't i don't begrudge the officer for doing his job and being like no this this woman needs to be arrested most likely like we, yeah i like, think i sorry go ahead no but so he's not like overly aggressive about it he's not like i'm not I wasn't particularly offended by this police officer in yeah. this episode. I think the dude, big... Dude's just doing his job. I'm trying the... not to get yelled at by his superiors. I think the big spot comes in just, like, handcuffing her immediately when she's found out her dad dies. Like, with Carrie yeah, that, having... That, that part sucks. Yeah, Carrie that... having to step in and be like, can you give her five minutes? Yeah. I think that's the biggest part of this, is it's just, like, I understand, he, like you said, he's doing his job. She will have to be arrested. But, like, she's not going anywhere. Give her a few minutes. I know. But, but I'm just saying, like, in terms yeah. of, like, the, yeah. co- the cop interactions we've had on this, this show before. This is mild. Yeah, this is pretty mild. You know who I miss? Al Gabarski. Gabarski. Waving from the shadow realm. <sighs> All right, are we ready for listener responses, gang? Yeah, please, take it, take it away, Lauren. All right, Grace B., you gave me a good one. Oh, my God. So, I trust Lizzie to cover ACAB, and there's a lot else I want to say. Fuck you, Romano, a child is missing. Jackie, I really want to give you the benefit of the doubt, but where do you get off trying to prevent Reese from having more family in his life that loves him? Right? What's the problem with having two loving fathers? Not at all. And Carrie, you did not deserve the way that woman was yelling at you on the phone. However, comma, leave Susan the fuck alone and she's not an idiot. Sorry, leave Susan the fuck alone, she's not an idiot. And most importantly... Guys, do I do the claps? Don't do the okay. claps. I hated the claps so much last Okay, time. I love you. Where the fuck are the motherfucking interpreters? They have to have at least two Spanish-speaking staff interpreters at the hospital, not to mention contractors they can page in. I about cried with this storyline. It is so fucking important that patients have explicit instructions given in a manner that they can understand and follow. This is so horrifically and tragically possible, and I'm glad ER took the time to tell the story, but goddammit. P.S. Luca, you're looking for an interpreter. Interpreters talk or sign in real time. Translators very carefully take written words in one language and then attempt to preserve the meaning of those words in a different written language. They are extremely important and entirely different skill sets. And yes, it fucking matters. Insert rant about poorly worded grant applications wasting my time here. (sighs) Soph says, so for reasons, this and the previous app were my introductions to Susan. A little rocky at first, but now I'm at the end of season eight. Susan's great. Her relation, her quote, relationship with Carter, heavy on the air quotes, less so. Her friendship with Mark and later, Abby, is sweet. And this sarcasm. Give me more. The beginning trauma patient with the woman who accidentally hit her father. That is literally my worst nightmare. One of the very first times I was ever driving in a car, I basically did the same thing in a parking lot except with a concrete pole in front of me. I can't imagine how she feels with all the other factors. On a happier note, 
I loved how they paid off the construction with Susan running to grab the ladder during the delivery. I totally wanted Abby's line about getting Luca because he's tall to actually happen. All in all, kind of a sad one, but it had its moments. Rodney C. says, I always enjoy the first day of work episodes. In this case, first day back. It's always a great way to show how completely hectic their job is. I know there is often discourse about what the point of an episode was or why a patient story is used so little, but to me it was always baked into the show that it was never going to be standard patient or patients of the week type show. They see dozens of patients a day. Even the craziest patient they have that day is often a small part of their day. The endless trappings of a will they, won't they can be so tiresome. Now we are in the phase of the person that was in a relationship is now single, but now pining or jealous of the other as they, as they possibly move on. Great! The female doctors on this show coming in and having immediate issues with the nurse's needs to stop. Yes. They have honestly done a real good job showing exactly why Peter needed a career change. He is constantly overwhelmed by personal things and his love for his son has officially overshadowed his career ambitions. Holy shit, excellent point. I like this one. Good job, guys. Good points. Well done. You did your homework. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to any of our cast and crew interviews as they come up, uh, and over 60 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We would also appreciate it if you were to follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Silent Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Danny Work, and folks find you at... They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at... Oh, they can find me. God damn it, I can't remember which one my Instagram is, if it is with or without the B. Uh, without. Thank you. Uh, they can. I love that Daniel knows my usernames better than I do. That's so fucking sad. They can find me on Instagram at Lobo92345. I'm soon going to have a lot of really stupid climbing photos as I get worse at this sport. And as I potentially join her gym ha! at some point so I can actually take the photos fun times uh you can find me on twitter i'm at random gamer that's jm3r and thanks again everyone very much for listening please join us again next time and have a great week